Welcome to the Awakened Collective, where we explore the topics of love, spiritual consciousness, and our divine purpose on this planet. Join us as we uncover the truth that our thoughts shape our reality. Welcome to the Awakened Collective. I'm Rick Gregory, and I'm so glad that you are here with me today. Whether you're joining by Facebook Live or you are listening to this on podcast, I am so grateful that you're here, and I want to give a shout out to Audio Academy, Audio Alchemy, for their uh, gracious gift and this wonderful place, their kindness, their talents. I appreciate you, Danny. Thank you. Um, What I want to share with you today is something that has profoundly changed my life, continues to change my life in an amazing way every day. And I have a question for you first. Would you please keep an open mind? Some of what I want to share with you uh, may be met with some amount of resistance or skepticism. I know that it was met with resistance on my part initially. When I first started delving into the topic... But something, as you've heard me say before, in my gut, in my knower, kept me digging for more. And I'm so glad I did. Now, I'm going to be using some notes today. Uh, And the reason for that is I can get off on a tangent, and I don't want to do that because I find this topic to be one of extreme importance. And if I can just maybe light a little flicker in you to even begin to question what this is all about. Uh, that would be a wonderful thing. The topic, as part of the title of this whole podcast, is Our Thoughts Shape Our Reality. So no more stinking thinking. Our thoughts shape our reality. And when I first heard this, uh, and this is, I'm going to be talking about this as well, but when I first heard this, I projected my past onto my present. I went back and remembered a time when I was involved in a very Pentecostal church for decades, actually, where in one particular time they put a wallet on a table and said, you know, speak to that wallet. Think that that wallet is full and it's going to explode with cash and money. (laughs) So I had that in the back of my mind when I approached this topic, and I used to think that this whole mind thing was just about mind control, and it was some hocus-pocus, something of the occult or something dark, um, uh, I, I know today that there was an amount of truth, even in way back there decades ago. Not so much that a wallet would explode into money, but there was an element of truth in how we think. I'm going to read some quotes to you, and that's another reason for my notes this morning. But there's a famous quote from Henry Ford that says, Whether you think you can or think you can't, you are right. Whether you think you can, or think you can't, you're right, because your thoughts will shape your actual reality. Some other quotes, your thoughts are the architects of your destiny. That's from a gentleman named David O. McKay. Change your thoughts and change your world, Norman Vincent Peale. You are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. That's James Allen. Your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, 
Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. That's from Mahatma Gandhi. The world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. It cannot be changed without changing our thinking. That's Albert Einstein. And now for a few more that are more along the religious lines. All that we are is the result of what we have thought. The mind is everything. What we think, we become. And that's from Buddha. Christianity and Judaism. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's from Proverbs 23.7. How about Hinduism? You are what your deep driving desire is. As your desire is, so is your will. As your will is, so is your deed. As your deed is, so is your destiny. Are these starting to sound familiar? How about Islam? Allah does not change the condition of people until they change what is in themselves. How about Socrates, who said, know thyself? The unexamined life is not worth living, is what Socrates said. So as I pursued this and understood that until I stopped and became the witness to my thinking, to think about what I'm thinking, examine it, until I was able to do that, I could not change my reality. People have asked, you know, so if you have a thought, where do you think this thought? And they'll point to their heads. So if that's the case, and this is where our thoughts are, then where is the place where we actually are doing the thinking about those thoughts? So I would challenge you to have an open mind today to recognize that there is a higher plane of thinking. There is a place of spiritual thinking. We are spiritual beings. You know, some in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, which I am a member and proud of it, say that the same thinking that got us into the situation and landed us in AA is not the same thinking that's going to get us sober. There has to be another way of thinking. We have to understand and tap into this place, this higher plane of thinking. Until we wake up and become conscious... Conscious is just being awake and begin to think from that place of our higher self, capital S self, our spiritual source. We're always going to believe we have no control over our thoughts, that they just happen. Nothing we can do about it. And we'll be forever projecting our past onto our present experiences and losing the joy and the awareness of the freaking miracles that are all around us. I used to think that way, that I, that I just didn't have any thoughts. I mean, thoughts are thoughts. They happen all the time. They go on in my head all the time, and I had no ability to control them or to choose what I would think. Everything I have found, and it's always been this way, it's just that my mind was clouded by lots of other thoughts. Everything in existence, everything was created by that which is unseen. And if you're a person who reads the Bible, there's a scripture about that as well. So I look around this room, and I see microphones, this microphone, I see this couch, I see the rug, this building. All of these things originated from the unseen. And what is that unseen? Thought. They all started with thought. Everything. What I'm wearing, these shoes I'm wearing, started with someone 
having a thought that produced some kind of an emotion that led to an action and drawing out plans and, and making them so that now we have them in physical form and I can see them and I'm wearing them. It all started with thought. So what about this planet? What about us? These human beings in this form, what about us? We were also created by thought. The thought of a divine creator, by whatever name you choose, divine intelligence, divine love. So if that's true, and I believe it is, then we therefore are extensions of divine love and divine thought and are therefore co-creators. Our thoughts create. Because our thoughts create, we have some of the greatest inventions in the world. Think of it, the magnificent artwork, cathedrals, amazing music, wonderful food, books, movies, inventions, medicine, transportation. And then on the other extreme, we have been at war for 93% of recorded history. Our thoughts bring it all about. And according to research, the average person has about 60,000 thoughts per day. 60,000. Now, they're not sequential, one after the other necessarily. They were bombarded with thoughts. But the concerning part is that that same research shows that 75% of these thoughts are negative. Now, that was a no-brainer for me. That seemed to make perfect sense. And 95% are repetitive over and over and over again. And for years, I just let it happen. Many of our negative thoughts are driven by our fight-or-flight mode, part of our brain. And I would say to you that this morning that that I call the ego. The ego is what keeps us separated from one another. It's evident even if you are one who believes in the story of the Garden of Eden. You know, when they ate that apple, and all of a sudden their eyes, it said their eyes were opened, and they went from a state of absolute bliss, no fear, no shame, not even thinking about themselves, to now thinking not only about themselves, you know, that they saw all of a sudden that they were naked, but they saw themselves as separated from their creator. And then all of the emotions, that, that fear and shame came in. So it is my belief, anyway, that we can trace all of the darkness in our world, all of it, back to the thought that we are separated from God and from one another when we are not and we have never been. So don't get me wrong when I talk about this ego thing, because the ego, the brain of our animal nature, it comes in handy. So, for example, our survival instinct, what keeps us fed and clothed, keeps a roof over us and housed. I'm grateful that we don't have to go out and hunt for our food, and nothing against hunters, but I killed a frog one time and cried for three days, okay? So that's, that's not for me. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have to hunt for food for survival. But our ego, that ego, 
has not evolved from its primitive state. It doesn't know any better. And if we need to have it kick in when our child races out in front of an oncoming car, I want it to kick in. Or to rescue a loved one from a, or loved ones from a burning building or burning home. But it's when it seeps into our day, our day-to-day living. You know, when we get this idea that I'm going to go ahead and slash the tires of that guy that just got the promotion that I think I deserve. Or I am going to just flip that person off on the highway that just cut me off and not, didn't let me merge onto the highway or whatever it may be. Now, the actions of slashing tires and flipping people off, guess where they originated? In thought. Because thought leads to emotion. And depending on the thought, the emotions can range either from extreme joy and bliss and serenity to utter depression, anxiety, or anger. And that's just to name a few. And if those thoughts and those emotions are acted on, they will produce corresponding results in alignment with them. We were created with the gift of free will. Free will. I'm grateful for that. And as such, again, God, spirit, universe, it does not interfere. It's a universal law. We have free will. The universe does not interfere with what we've been given in that free will. It cannot act as a shield for us. So if we are thinking all kinds of negative thoughts, it's not going to filter them and say, well, now that's not a good thought. I will save you from that emotion of that thought, and I will prevent you from performing out that thought in any kind of action. It's going to stop right here. It doesn't do that. We have a free will to think, and our thoughts produce results. It's actually quite simple. Our positive thoughts produce positive results in our minds, in our emotions, in our health, in outcomes, even in the world. And our negative thoughts produce negative results in all those same areas every single time. The amazing thing is whether we are thinking positively or negatively, we will find evidence to support the way we think. If we live a life that where we're always constantly thinking the sky is falling, everything's a mess, and our minds are just constantly in that frame, we are going to find evidence to support that. I know you've hung around people that have been like, why does this always happen to me? This stuff is always happening to me. Our lives become what we hold in mind, emotionally, physically, and materially. If I live a life where I constantly think that everything's going to work out great, that life is happening for me, not to me, I will also see evidence that supports that thinking. Someone once said that it's all going to work out great in the end. So if it's not great yet, it's not the end. You know what I find, I just find this fascinating, so forgive me for my excitement, but this just, 
is amazing to me. And it's so simple and it's always been. And I'm 62 years young and I'm just beginning to get it. Do you think it's true that two people can experience or have the exact same experience in their life and see it completely differently? So let's take a car accident, for example. We have a car accident, hopefully not. but You can have someone that walks away expressing extreme gratitude that everyone walked away from that unharmed. No one was hurt. You can have someone who has an accident who is, becomes vehemently angry at the damage and begins to blame, wants revenge. Opposite things happening. Why are they seeing things differently? I want to share this little story. I've always, it's one of those, I heard it decades ago and it's always stayed with me. But there was this king who had a dream and in his dream, all his teeth fell out. And he was horrified by the dream. He wanted to know what it meant. And he had multiple people who were interpreter of dreams. And he called for one of them. And he said, bring me this interpreter of dreams. I want him to interpret this nightmare that I had last night. The interpreter comes in. The king explains the dream that he had, that all his teeth fell out. And the interpreter says, I'm so sorry, my king. Bad news. All your relatives are going to die. Well, guess what happened to that interpreter of dreams? Off with his head. He called in for another. Now, they didn't know what the previous interpreter had said. The new interpreter comes in. The king tells him his dream. And he says, oh, king, long live the king. Great news. You are going to outlive all your relatives. I just love that story because it just shows us how we can see the same thing and see it differently. It's the same dream. So what if we could choose, make a conscious choice to see things differently? What if we could choose what we think? We can. I want to tell you a couple of personal stories from my past. So back in about 1991 or so, uh, my daughter was, my firstborn was six years old. And I remember it was the cool of the fall. We lived in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And she really wanted to go across the street and be with her friend and ride bikes over in her friend's yard. And the mother said, that would be great. Come on over. We had about a 300-foot-long driveway, winding driveway down to our house that we were renting that was sitting on a little pond. It was a beautiful spot. A lot of trees. So in the fall, there were a lot of leaves to rake up. And that's what I was outside doing. I was raking up leaves. I had two other children that were playing in the house. And I walked my daughter up the driveway with her bike across the street to this friend's house. And I went on about my business, back down the driveway, raking leaves, um, finally decided to go in the house to get something to drink. Now, this was the time before cell phones. I went in the house to get something to drink and saw my answering machine. Remember those? Answering machine light flickering. I pressed the button to listen to the message. And it was the girl's mom from across the street saying, you have to get over here right away, right away. 
And I didn't stop to look at when she left that message. My heart dropped into my stomach. I was in absolute panic mode. At that point, I don't even think I had, I think I took my shoes off when I got in the house. I ran out of that house so fast up that driveway, so sure that something horrible had happened to my daughter. And when I got to the end of the driveway, I saw her bicycle on the side of the road leaning up against the road, up the lawn. There was an ambulance. There were people all around. And I was sure that she was dead. And if you're a parent, you can imagine what that felt like, even if you're not a parent. Um, I, I, I think I went blind, and I just pushed my... There were people gathered around all over the place. I was pushing people out of the way, screaming, crying, where is my daughter? Only to find out that the woman who was watching my daughter, it was her father who had had a heart attack, who lived in the house right next door to her. And she was needing to tend to him and needed me to come and get my daughter. But I had the whole freaking thing played out in my mind. Am I alone in that? Have you ever done that? So just to continue on with that, my kids will tell you today that I was the worst dad when it came to going on bike rides. We lived on the Cape, beautiful area, beautiful cranberry bogs, um, and I would get this, you know, desire, let's go for a bike ride, kids, and we'd get on our bikes, and it was, I no word of a lie, every few minutes, not even a minute, I'd be like, there's a car coming, get off your bike, get off your bike, we've got to walk the bike here. Um, we would get up to the next street, the same thing. They got off their bike more than they got on their bike or whatever, but they weren't on their bikes very much to the point where they didn't even want to go on bike rides with dad anymore. But let me tell you where that came from. Because we project our past onto our present. At least I did. I'm learning. But when I was seven years old... A little girl riding her bike in front of my house was hit and killed. And my uncle, who was a priest, was over the house. I remember it very vividly. Um, went out and um, read her her last rites while she lay on the sidewalk. I never let go of that. It colored a lot of things for me and obviously colored my experience with my kids. I brought that past event into my present. And that's where that fear came from. Our brains can unconsciously bend our perception of reality to meet our desires or expectations. Just like I was running up that driveway thinking something horrible had happened to my daughter, my brain was unconsciously bending my perception and then filling in the gaps, filling in all those gaps with past experiences. One other personal story that impacted my life for quite some time and didn't realize it until just a matter of years ago, quite honestly. I had my first job. I was so excited. 11 years old, I had a paper out. I had a bike. 
I would go up to the drugstore, which was about a half a mile from my home, and I would pick up my papers and my sack, and I would go deliver those papers, and man, it was a great feeling, knowing that I was making money at 11 years old. I would throw the papers up to the houses, and when collection day came, I would go and knock on the door and say, collecting. And I was, it was collection day. I had been doing this route for maybe three weeks. And of course, for an 11-year-old, collection day was the best day of the week. And I was going from house to house, knocking on the doors, and I knocked on this one door, and a man opened. And I said, collecting. And what I heard in the background was his wife saying, that son of a bitch, I paid that kid, I don't know if she said kid, I paid that kid already. I can't tell you the feeling that came over me at 11 years old when I heard that. I apparently had made a simple mistake. She had given me the money that wasn't on collection day. And here it was collection day and I had forgotten that I had already collected. But hearing those words, I can't tell you the amount of shame, humiliation, embarrassment that I felt and took it all internally personally, that something was wrong with me. How could I have done that? I am stupid. All of those thoughts that came in. And I rode that bike of mine with my sack up to that drugstore and turned the rest of my papers in and said, I'm done. And I, in realizing that, look back over my life and I can't tell you how many times I said, I'm done because of those same past feelings that I was projecting on so many present situations where I did not have the courage because I felt like I was just going to put myself in a place where I would be ashamed again or embarrassed or humiliated again and did not take that step that perhaps could have changed my life. How those things get perpetuated and how we sabotage our success and that woman was probably just having a bad day. <laughs> and that one comment affected me deeply for such a long time. But that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes looking at where those thoughts are coming from. And the only way we can do that is to go inside. It's an inside-out job. And look. And ask a power greater than yourself to help you recontextualize that. It's easy for me to do that today. The woman was having a bad day. But I didn't know it at the time. And I went decades not realizing that I could choose or even look at my thinking. That it just was automatic. We can choose our thoughts. If we want our lives to improve, it's not going to happen without us taking the responsibility to make it so, because we do have a free will. And in that place of freedom, we get to choose. No one's going to do it for us, people. Early on in my life, I somehow picked up the mindset that life sucks and then you die. That either... God is going to come fix everything, make everything perfect, or I'm just going to have to wait for happiness when I die and get to the other side. Felt like this is as good as it's going to get. Waiting for something external 
external, outside of us, to fix everything. Some event to happen, to cause everything to all of a sudden fall into place. Some force from the sky, some sky god to intervene. It it reminds me of the quote from the Wizard of Oz when the good witch Glinda said to Dorothy, You've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. Folks, it's in us. The kingdom of God, by whatever name you call God, is in us. It's our responsibility to go inward and live from that place of thought, of being. We are the people we've been waiting for. I love that song by Martin Garrix. So how do we change this self-sabotaging, projecting our past onto our present? It's by being present and being aware. Awareness. As I already said, do the work to find out where those thoughts originated that are crippling you, those self-limiting beliefs. Become aware that you're doing it. That's pretty simple. Just be aware that you're doing it. Be a witness to those thoughts. And simply recognize, say, I don't like this thought. I don't want this thought. I want to think differently. And you'll start to notice those thoughts diminishing. And it's not about being guilty about the thoughts. There is no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. It's not about beating yourself up for having them. Just recognize them. I heard someone say once that when the negative thought comes in, they just say out loud, they say, cancel, cancel, and move forward. It's not about force. We can't force ourselves to think differently. Pushing thoughts away or forcefully trying to replace one negative thought with a positive thought is it's counterproductive because what we focus on grows. So if we're focusing on those negative thoughts and how much we hate them and don't want them and we want to push them out of the way, and if we're always focusing on them, they're going to grow. Force results in counterforce. It's not about willpower on this one. It's done. This work is done in a different dimension. It's a spiritual dimension. It's with our spiritual mind, as I've said already, our higher self, capital S, not the mind of the ego. It's not what we stand against. It's what we stand for that brings about results. So next time you're standing in a shopping line, excuse me, that's moving like molasses and you feel the frustration rising up inside you and you think thoughts like, I don't deserve this. I'm in a hurry. What is wrong with these people? Stop. Be willing to simply recognize it. Recognize it as an illusion. Simply our perception based on our thoughts at that moment. Breathe. And let it go. There are other ways. Always another way to see things. I really like this. This was from um, the Scientific American website. And it says, I'm going to read this, what we control 
And where we really start to create our reality is in how we perceive, interpret, and think about the events in our life that generate our feelings about those events and how we subsequently respond with our behavior. No one can choose your thoughts or actions. Those are yours alone. And this one I found fascinating. Neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new neural pathways throughout life and in response to experiences. If we can learn to see and think about our experiences differently, we can actually rewire our brains over time. I love that. We are thought, people. We may be with this form that I've talked about here on this planet, on this excursion, but we are thought in this protoplasm. We are divine extensions of our creator, of divine love, and we are therefore co-creators, and we create with our thought. And with the gift of free will, we get to choose those thoughts. So, may you choose thoughts of love, of kindness, of peace, compassion, abundance, and gratitude toward yourself and toward the world. Your birthright, my birthright, our birthright is to be happy, joyous, and free. I want to make sure that you join us next week. We're going to be discussing another mind bender. <laughs> and this is it. Give you some food for thought for the week because I would love your feedback. But this is it. What if, hypothetical, what if before we came to this planet, we had like a soul, S-O-U-L, soul agreement with our creator? And that we actually chose this life we are living and all the experiences and the people in it. That'll give you some thought for the week. I want to thank you for joining me. I would love to hear from you, either by commenting on this Facebook post or by reaching out to Rick Gregory at theawakenedcollective.org. And for those of you who want to start this journey of becoming more mindful, I have a book on Amazon that's entitled The Awakened Collective 30-Day Mindfulness Challenge, and I'd love for you to get a copy. So to get people starting to use my email at Rick Gregory, it's rickgregory at theawakenedcollective.org. The first five people to either send me a Facebook message here on this Facebook Live post or Go to that email, rickgregory at theawakencollective.org. The first five people I will reach out to you, get your address. It won't be used for anything other than for sending you a free copy of that book. And again, last mentioned, but first and foremost, thanks to Daniel Anderson and the Audio Alchemy Productions. Love you. Until next week, love and kindness always. Thank you. <laughs>